ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing pretty good today, Cameron. You know what I realized? What's that? Is it's, it's getting pretty hot outside. Yeah. It's now uh, mid-May and it's just full-on springtime and I don't have enough short sleeve shirts to wear <laughs> to work. And I'm stuck wearing like a flannel shirt right now, and I'm very uncomfortable, and I need to go shopping. Well, at uh, where I work, I get to work mostly outside, so I kind of have to dress for warm weather. But mm-hmm. then in my little office, it is extremely cold. So I basically have to like take a jacket <laughs> really, to work. And, or I, like, I feel like I want to wear a hoodie when I'm in my office. And then if I go outside and then it's like 90 degrees, that doesn't yeah. really work, but... The AC currently does not work in my office at work, so uh, it's opposite been, it's my been issue. quite opposite, <laughs> and it's been interesting. Yeah, I definitely uh, love this time of year, though. Summer is my favorite. I I feel like it can never be really too hot for me, especially if I can have access to a pool or a lake mm-hmm. or a river or something like that. Um, I feel like we've had a relatively big news week, especially like the last three or four days. Yeah. Um, for Mizzou news and, um, a lot of basketball stuff seems like all I ever want to talk about is Mizzou basketball. And that's partly true, but also there's just been a lot of news come out recently and, uh, stuff that is interesting, I think, and we want to keep on top of to, yeah, that really impacts the roster for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Considering we're in kind of like no man's land of not a whole lot of football news going on, not a whole lot of basketball news going on this time of year. We've, uh, had a pretty good amount the last week or so. Yeah, I definitely think uh, for football, at least right now, no news is good news. Cause, I agree. Um, usually, if the football team is making news right now, it's for reasons we don't like. Yeah, recruiting um, quite hasn't hasn't quite picked up yet. So I'd like to uh, keep them out of the news cycle for another couple weeks, probably. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention one thing football related, though. Did you see? I'm sure you saw on Twitter. Uh, Joe Flacco was asked about um, his, I, don't, I can't remember the wording exactly. Basically, he was asked about mentoring Drew Locke as a, a rookie quarterback and if that was something that he kind of felt was part of his responsibility. And uh, some people were angry about his answer. Um, he basically said that's the quarterback coach's job. And he's, Joe Flacco said that he's here to win games mm-hmm. and not worry about that. He, of course, he wants the young guys to develop and. He was complimentary of Drew, but uh, some people didn't like that answer and thought he was, uh, I don't know, scared, acting scared for his job and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, which I thought a lot of people were overreacting. So I just wanted to kind of get your take on it because you you are definitely the type to really overreact. So I wanted to see if that was the case. I had to really uh, hone back all of my anger and everything. (laughs) But, um, well, per usual, um, the headline on the tweet was maybe a little misleading, not misleading, but just kind of, there wasn't a whole lot of context to the rest of the conversation, which is tweet. You're kidding. Which is, uh, what normally happens. And then people just are like, what? And freak out. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty like standard answer. I'd feel like from somebody who's trying to keep their job. Um, and from, I, from looking at it from Joe Flacco's perspective, I completely understand why he, would feel that it's not really his job. I mean, he, I, and it's not like he's just going to 
be like, oh, uh, I'm not going to help Drew, like, you know, try to get better. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything to help him learn the plays. He just right. doesn't feel like there's individual pressure on him to make sure Drew Locke has a successful NFL career. And I've got to agree with him that that's really not his responsibility. Yeah, I think it would be one thing if he was like really cemented in his role. I mean, this is a new organization for him. Right. He's still learning. He's in his first year. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, I mean, people were comparing it to like Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes and I think that's the ideal situation you want when you're Mm -hmm. kind of looking at a quarterback passing the torch. But Alex Smith was in a situation where he was like in the ultimate comfort zone Mm -hmm. as far as his, I feel like his standing with the the staff and everything. Super stable position. Um, Everybody was on the same page. And you got to hope that that's, I mean, Chiefs fans fans probably don't hope that, but um, you hope that. Joe Flacco is kind of in that stable position now um, in Denver and that, you know, every the, the pecking order is clear and all that stuff. And it probably is. But, yeah, I don't fault him at all. I feel like we're so used to seeing athletes give the um, perfect PR answer. You know, guys are coached so much about what to say. And you just expect him to come out and say, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to take him under my wing and really, you know, show him what being a Super Bowl winning quarterback is all about mm-hmm. and get him all ready to take over as the starter. And that's just not a realistic, right. you know, thing for somebody to say. Mm-hmm. And if he had said that, it would, wouldn't have made news because it would have just been the same as everybody else mm-hmm. kind of fallen hollow. I feel like. Yeah. I, I appreciate his honesty, I guess. And, um, I mean, Drew's going to get his shot eventually and he's going to, probably glean what he can from from Joe Flacco whether it's football or maybe life outside of football I don't know but and like I said I don't think Joe Flacco is gonna keep knowledge from Drew on purpose but yeah pretty standard answer doesn't really make much of an impression on me okay you're not gonna get an overreaction out of us folks (laughs) um so now I have a lot of basketball news uh we'll start we will stay in Denver, actually, because uh, Michael Porter Jr. and the Denver Nuggets have announced that he will be playing in the NBA Summer League. So that's the first time we will have seen him in live actual basketball with referees and keeping score since um, the NCAA tournament when Missouri lost to Florida State. If you even want to count that, those <laughs> yeah. couple of games. It's really the first time that we're going to get a look at maybe the real MPJ since he was in high school. Yeah. Which so, is just insane to think about. I it, mean, maybe the yeah. maybe the Kansas exhibition game. It is. It is really. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, and uh, he, I mean, wh- another thing that's kind of insane is he's a bit of a polarizing figure now in, in Mizzou lore. So, um, I'm gonna do what I can to put all of the weirdness of his Mizzou career um, behind me, and I'm going to uh, wish him the best, and I'm gonna cheer him on, and I'm gonna be a Denver Nuggets fan, and I hope he is as incredible as his uh, hype has been in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is it is really exciting, honestly. Like, I'm going to try to tune into some of these summer league games. Definitely. When Denver's playing, I'm going to try to watch a video of it, and I'll definitely keep up with the stats and everything. Mm-hmm. I've always done that when Mizzou players get invites to Same. Uh, the summer league. I remember uh, tuning in for Alex Oriaki, uh, watching him play in the summer yeah, league. Kim for, English. And- yeah, for the Phoenix Suns and uh, Phil Pressey. Uh, Jabari Brown, all the, mm-hmm. these guys that are kind of uh, fringe NBA players but get to play against pros in the summer league, it's really yeah. exciting. And when it's a guy that, you know, was the number one overall in his class and 
was supposed to be a one and done like NBA star uh, right out of high school. Basically, it's just going to be interesting. Usually, those guys don't play in the summer league, but mm-hmm. obviously, it's kind of a. It reminds me of like a major league baseball player doing like a rehab start in Double A or something like that. Yeah, this is probably going to be the most like old man thing I've said in a while, but. Um... I actually really enjoy the summer league, maybe even more so than like the actual NBA regular season because, well, for one, I watch a lot of college basketball. And so I know a lot of guys in the summer league are from college basketball. So I recognize a lot of them. Um, It's kind of cool to see them take the next step in their career. And this is where the old man part comes in. But everybody's playing really hard all the time. Yeah. Everybody's playing really tough defense. Everybody's like trying to make the team. Everybody's trying to. Competing for a roster spot. Exactly. So I always think the summer league is is fun uh, is a fun event and it's kind of cool how they kind of keep track of their wins and losses mm-hmm. and that kind of thing so I, I i think it's fun yeah and you'll see some uh guys that haven't made a roster and you'll see some sort of uh, g league players that have been in the professional ranks for a year or two you know get to play so it's just it's a like you said a really good just competitive environment for guys that are trying to make a team mm-hmm um, staying in the Porter family, um, Jonte Porter has made it official. He is staying in the NBA draft. Obviously, this is no surprise. Um, any any quick thoughts on just the fact that he's now confirmed it? I mean, we've basically that was the uh, most likely thing mm, that was that what was, was going to happen. Yeah, uh, as soon as he got injured back in October. Yep. So, and we kind of knew that all along. Um, there was some theories thrown out there, and, and it's even when he re-injured himself, um, there's maybe some more theories that came out about reasons he might want to return and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you're right. All along, it's been this is what's going to happen. He's going to go to the draft, and as he should. Um, and it still looks like he's in pretty good physical shape. But um, and it, it's a bummer as a Mizzou fan. Obviously, that's we're, we're Mizzou fans. We want the best for Jonte, but. Uh, man, it really hurt when we lost him um, last year, knowing that this is, he's done in a Mizzou uniform. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like I was one of the worst about, like, oh, maybe, you know, it might make sense for him to come back. And, uh, you know, he might get a few games under his belt and show the NBA scouts what he's got. And I feel like all along I was just kind of, I don't know if I even believe that myself because I just really wanted to see it. You know, it's so disappointing when back-to-back seasons – Mizzou basketball Conzo Martin's first two seasons in Columbia he loses his best player for the whole season Mm -hmm. and that's just insane I mean I I can't imagine another coach I mean I can't think of any other situation where in back-to-back seasons a coach has lost uh, NBA talent the best player on their team for the entire season yeah and and it'd be two different people <laughs> and they're like brothers yeah that's even that's but you know what part. is their dad is a coach and he's been very consistent true <laughs> hasn't yeah. missed a game no that's yeah <laughs> he has not had the injury troubles that his sons have had and he's actually coming back that was uh uh Conzo martin kind of put any rumors to rest and yeah said that he will definitely be on staff uh for this upcoming season that's um, that's a real interesting thing what do you think about that well, I've I've always kind of thought that they may, they might transition him into maybe a non-coaching role within the athletic department or the basketball mm-hmm. department, I guess. <laughs> um, so that I mean, he might he's going to be on the coaching staff though this year, um, but then maybe in more of an, an administrative role after that. I don't know, or maybe he 
will just retire because he probably could. <laughs> yeah, he probably and, could. Uh, is um, assistant coaches have like contracts and stuff, right? I mean, yeah. Does he still? He still has one more year in his contract. Correct. Okay. Uh, do you think that this has been kind of a wild theory that's been kind of thrown around a little bit, and I think it is probably unrelated. But do you think that uh, him staying on staff has anything to do with maybe future porters down the line? Um. I don't and not, not that they're going to keep him on the staff that long right. until they're ready, but maybe just uh, a uh, keep the keep everybody happy kind of thing. Yeah, that's it's really tough to even like from such an outside perspective. Yeah. It's so hard to even know like what those conversations are like yeah. because you you have to assume that. It, I mean, I think probably the only people that think like the most cynical way would be like kansas fans when they are like uh illinois fans when they talk about conzo martin and they in their opinion he goes um hey uh we'd like to have uh michael and jante uh, on the team here's a scholarship offer and then uh, michael porter senior says uh sounds good give me a job that pays uh three hundred thousand dollars a year or more and it's a done deal he says okay you got it he's you're on staff now your sons are coming to play for us. That's not how it went down. I mean, I guess maybe you don't it's think possible. so. Huh? You think that's a cynical view of it? Maybe I do. I mean, as far as those that that being as cut and dry as it is. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that there's a lot more conversation happening than that, and. Um, and I get, but I guess technically that that wouldn't be against the rules. So it may be as simple as that. And I'm just being naive, but I tend to think that it's more nuanced than that. And that a head coach is not typically going to give up a spot on his staff just mm-hmm. to get a recruit, maybe two or three recruits. Maybe that's a different story, but do you think it's, uh, well, I mean, obviously he still has one year in his contract. So is this just kind of a, move to say we still we value uh coach porter as a coach and not just because his sons played on this team kind of thing that's definitely possible i mean it would give a lot of it would give a lot of ammunition to those um other fan bases if it was like okay jante's gone and uh, michael porter senior's gone just randomly broken his contract like yeah um but i mean he i do think he's a good coach but you also don't hear about him like really on the recruiting trail you don't really hear about him bringing something to the game plan like you do the other assistants you just don't really hear about it so he's like the uh um he's like the counselor of the team almost it, it seems it like he seems, seems like he's that, like yeah. a really uh it just seems like a, he's a super nice guy so he's just kind of like keeping everybody in a good mood you know yeah maybe <laughs> he's just i mean obviously he has responsibilities right but just not not having any idea what those are you know it's just really hard to say you know how how easy is is it to replace whatever he's doing for the team you know you just don't know Mm -hmm. um i would be thrilled if there's a third or another that would be what the sixth porter Mm -hmm. sibling to be able like be good enough to play uh division one basketball at missouri i mean that would be really cool um and that one if there was a sixth one surely it would break the curse of uh season ending injuries but 
Um, and we're not talking about uh, Coben. We're, we'd be talking about the next youngest one, right? That's, mm-hmm. I think, like in eighth grade. Yeah. Or maybe. I don't know. I remember his name, his first name, no. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's another one that wants to come through and play for Mizzou, I'd be all for it. Yeah, it's just too far down the road to Definitely. know the impact of Porter Sr., if he's going to be good enough to play D1. All all those factors are just too unclear. Yeah, and I, I think I kind of circled around your question without actually answering it, but I don't think that if Michael Porter Sr. was not on the staff, that would not keep a future another Porter sibling from coming to Mizzou. Correct. I think he, I, I, I can't imagine him having anything negative to say about, uh, Conzo Martin. So if that was on the table, Mm -hmm. I'm sure he would tell his son or daughter, well, not daughter, but, um, same thing with, uh, the women's team. I'm, you know, he has has, like 12 siblings that have gone there. So like the Missouri connection is there regardless. Exactly. Whether he's on the staff or not. So, um, yeah, even the women's team, he, obviously he goes way back with them. So mm-hmm. he seems to really enjoy being a part of that whole community, basically. Yeah. Um, going back to Jonte for a sec. Yeah, um, I don't know if you saw this, but his uh, he went through the uh, NBA draft combine. Obviously, he's not going to do the drills and stuff, but um, he did got his measurements. And he was measured at 6'11 with shoes with a seven foot wingspan and he weighed in at 210 pounds with 8.5% body fat. And I don't know if you remember last year, the, when he went through this same thing, the uh, body fat percentage was kind of a big, um, red flag. Wasn't it like the highest of at the combine? It was the highest at the combine. And I looked, it would be tied with Nas Reed for highest at this year's combine as well. So last year's Jante would be, um, highest body fat percentage again. So yeah, it was 14% last year, now 8.5. And last year he weighed 236 pounds. Now he weighs in at 210. Um, it's pretty significant. Yeah, he hasn't been as active. Um, right. So I, I'd be interested to know um, what he weighed and like what his body fat was whenever we saw him at the beginning of this year. Because when we saw him at the uh, Mizzou Madness or whatever event, mm-hmm. and we saw them obviously play a very meaningless scrimmage, uh, he looked well beyond where he was his freshman year athletically and mm-hmm. his body uh just where his body was and everything so yeah he looked lean and athletic yes he looked far superior to what he did even just a few months before in his freshman year so yeah, i remember i'll never forget he had a um a tip slam that just looked like so easy yeah, looked obviously like a different player obviously he's super tall but it was like a very athletic move yeah i really hope that he can um get that athleticism and, and bounce back that he that he had before he got injured um i wanted to give you like a, a pop quiz here oh great completely blind okay um who do you think was the high the uh, tallest the highest the tallest player with shoes on um at the nba combine oh god i have no idea tallest player at the yeah. combine you're very familiar with him oh okay i'll give you a hint uh it was, was he in the sec no okay it was not bull bull <laughs> bull bull uh was measured at seven foot seven feet two and a half inches with shoes on oh my god there's somebody taller than that yeah <laughs> How would I not? How can I not? 
think of who this is. Uh, the listeners are going to be screaming from their cars. Um, he's looking. Oh, uh, <laughs> Taco Fall. You got it. Nice. Uh, seven foot seven with shoes on. Oh my word! Yeah, that is ridiculous. Uh, with a standing reach of ten feet two and a half inches. Does does that mean he could dunk without jumping? That's exactly what that means. <laughs> Did he grow like even more know. since the college? Like, I don't know. Wow, and he's like he's like actually, he's like skilled yeah. to a certain degree yeah. as well. I mean, for for that for, height, for he's that. very skilled. Yeah, my word. And he also weighed the most of any of the combine attendees at two hundred and eighty-eight pounds. So he's man pretty thick along what a with specimen. that height. Yeah, what a unit. And of course, he also had the longest wingspan at. Eight, a little over eight feet. My gosh. <laughs> what was um, Yao Ming? Uh, Yao Ming was I'm kind of putting you on seven the spot foot here. four. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that's like well taller, like easily taller than Yao Ming. Uh, they've got him. Wikipedia has him at seven foot six. Jeez. So maybe that's a without shoes, with shoes thing. I don't have any idea if Taco Fall has a legitimate shot at making an NBA roster, but... I mean, you got to think somebody would take a flyer on yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, I was looking at some other stuff. The shortest player is from the SEC. Shortest player in the... Uh, Tremont Waters. You got it. Nice. And with shoes on, 5'10 and 3 quarters. Wow. So not incredibly short. And I already said Nas Reed with the 14% body fat. That might have taken me a while to guess that one. O'Shea Brissett. I know the name, but I'm not familiar with him. 2.9% body fat. Oh, my word. (laughs) (laughs) And he weighs 203 pounds. He must be really tall. He's 6'7", without shoes. Interesting. I'm going to get a picture of him. If you're uh, listening... Uh, look at a picture of him. Yeah, pretty lean. Okay, so um, yeah, I mean, Jonte, I think he's got a good shot of getting drafted. We just said that about a million players on the Mizzou football roster before the NFL <laughs> draft. Um, but probably not going to go number one overall to the Pelicans. I don't think so. Uh, it'll still be interesting. I know we talked about this maybe a lot, maybe two weeks ago. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who goes first, Drew Locke or Jonte. And Drew Locke went, I think, 42nd or something. So I put my money on Jonte. I, I don't even remember who I picked, but I think I did as well. But it, it, I, it'll be interesting. I don't know. When's the NBA draft? Like mid-June? Mm, yeah. Cool. Uh, one player that will that is not uh, part of the NBA draft combine is Jeremiah Tillman because uh, kind of a weird thing that he didn't get his paperwork turned in or somebody <laughs> didn't get his paperwork turned into the NBA. So he wasn't actually, he planned on actually going through the, or hoping to get an invite to the I NBA. I think he combine. like, it's, I think he still got some feedback right. or whatever, but if he didn't get invited to the combine because of paperwork issues, somebody was a Jeremiah Tillman fan and yeah. dropped the ball on purpose. I guess I'm just um, kidding. That is 100% a joke. And, <laughs> 
I don't know what I don't know what that could even mean. Like they didn't. They just. <laughs> yeah. How could you not? not I have no idea. That. Yeah. Apparently, Conzo Martin spent the last two weeks uh, trying to get the NBA to let him participate, even though there was a paperwork mishap. But it didn't work, so there's nothing left for him to do uh, as far as testing the NBA waters. So uh, we always thought that he was going to return to school. I think mm-hmm. that's what the coaching staff thought, and that's what Jeremiah Tillman himself probably thought. Unless he got some just really, really, really positive feedback, he was probably always coming back. But now it's confirmed he will be back for his junior season. So that is great news for Mizzou fans. Uh, one player that is not returning to Missouri is Ronnie Suggs because he is going to be a graduate transfer. Um, his name entered the transfer portal. And so it, uh, he definitely, that was one of the best stories of last year. Um, was him earning a scholarship and uh, playing mean- meaningful minutes and competing and uh, playing well. Yeah, um, it was he was a pleasant surprise definitely last year, and I think that he played a legitimate role there for a while. Like we really needed his his defense and um, even made a few buckets uh, here and there. So um, wish the best for him. Um, I don't know where he will land, but maybe at a mid major level or something like that. I know he started his career at Bradley. And I think he did all right there. Um, so I could think, you see him making a return to the Missouri Valley? Sure. Yeah, it's very possible. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of an interesting thing with the scholarship. I mean, uh, was he going to walk on again and or have have a shot to go play more meaningful minutes somewhere else? Um, that seems like the better option if I were him probably as well. So, mm-hmm. And obviously he doesn't have to sit out a year, so. Right, yeah. So he he has his degree, so he can mm-hmm. he's eligible immediately. Um, one player who is going to have a scholarship will not have to walk on anymore is Parker Braun. So Conzo uh, announced that he put him on scholarship. He will be a redshirt freshman next year, so he'll have all four years of eligibility left. Um, if you're not familiar with him, uh, you could have seen his really really long hair on the sidelines on the bench last year. Uh, cheering on his teammates yeah he was kind of an interesting story from the beginning because um, I remember him committing with a walk-on offer to Missouri when having like legitimate scholarship offers to other uh, like reputable programs in like power five territory so it's kind of like what's the story here Um, but I think this was the plan all along I mean maybe there was some speculation at some point that he might not get the scholarship, but I think this was definitely the plan all along that he maybe needed a year to develop. Um, and he's always kind of been a Mizzou fan growing up and stuff, apparently. So uh, I think this will be a good situation for him to take the development year, um, kind of get used to the team, uh, maybe break out of his shell a little bit. And, uh, and they, start. Said they said he's been in the weight room. A yeah. Lot. Yeah. So I think this will be um, pretty good. I. I don't know what kind of expectations I have for him year one, but I think he really could be a good player down the road. He's a tall, athletic kid. Yeah, he's listed at uh, six nine. Um, according to the internet, he had offers from LSU, Arizona, Illinois, Ole Miss, and Virginia Tech. Those are some pretty hearty offers. Yeah, and not one from Missouri. And you may know his brother, uh, Christian, uh, went to a school over to the west that we will not Ooh. talk about. So a little, uh, little border war between the brothers. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I guess they... they're both going to be freshmen next year, uh, officially. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, 
when you, you kind of I, I don't feel like he's a, a five you know as far as his position in college um, if he he's he's really tall and long so uh, he may he could definitely contribute um, to some rim protection I think but I think with he, he might take on a similar role to like uh, Mitchell Smith kind of a maybe sort of a stretch for I mean Mitchell Smith did a decent job stretching the floor at times last year so if he kind of has the same progression as Mitchell Smith I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. yeah I feel like that's a fair comparison but uh, the biggest news the um, piece de resistance of this week in um basketball news is that they got another recruit for the 2019 uh, recruiting class so already have mario mckinney and trey jackson locked down and then here comes kobe brown we've talked about him for months now Uh, he was originally on mizzou's radar uh, before he committed to texas a&m then they fired their then head coach billy kennedy and he asked was let out of his letter of intent reopened his recruitment um missouri reached out to him they were in the mix along with vanderbilt um, penn state and minnesota and then just on tuesday uh kobe brown picked mizzou after a long and drawn out uh announcement at his school uh, with a long video presentation and many speakers he finally picked mizzou yeah we uh we were actually together on Tuesday and we were kind of watching the live stream and uh, kind of got distracted and actually had to stop watching for a little while and then uh, came back and had seen that he had picked Mizzou. But it was very lengthy, um, almost Virtus Brown levels of, of length for live stream announcements. But uh, <laughs> apparently he eventually announced his decision. But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting news, um, kind of a in between a three and a four not really sure what he's going to play maybe probably probably both and i think i've even heard that that might have been one of the reasons why he wanted to come to mizzou is because there maybe was some freedom as to what he could do um but uh definitely a talented kid i I, he handles the ball well and can shoot and obviously he's got some size so yeah he's kind of had a up and down recruitment um his recruiting ranking has it kind of steadily fell throughout his high school career. Um, when he, when the rankings first came out, when he was a sophomore, uh, of course, those are mostly based on size and, you know, uh, recruiting places trying to project that size, you know, for a few years down the road. But he was a top 50 player um, in the nation in his class as a sophomore and um, ended up falling all the way to 248th. Um, which is where he sits right now in the final uh, 2019 rankings. So uh, three-star guy, like you said, uh, he's 6'7", 220 pounds, so definitely that just a general forward, I would say. Um, like you said, can play the three or the four. I think it's going to be easy to compare him to Kevin Perrier just because they Kevin Perrier was kind of that little bit undersized for the four but kind of struggled to guard quick um like kind of wing players yeah so i could see um kobe brown kind of having the same struggles 
and he's definitely more of a project. Um, I mean, he, he still was committed to Texas A&M and that's a really good program. So I don't, I think no matter where he was going to go, he was going to be sort of a project player and, you know, take a few years to really get acclimated to the college level, probably spend a ton of time in the weight room, um, kind of getting in really good shape. But uh, he definitely, if you want to go with that Kevin Perrier comparison, he's definitely more athletic, probably shoots the ball from three quite a bit better than Perrier did at that time. Um, so hopefully those things translate and he can um, just be a similar player, probably not as skilled around the basket, but um, more athletic and hopefully, like I said, shoot the three ball a lot better. Yeah, it kind of reminds me another uh, another player that Mizzou was in on a couple of years ago, uh, Blake Henson, who ended up having a really, really nice freshman year at Ole Miss this yeah, year. So, that's a good comparison, I think. Um, if he could be even half as good as Blake Henson probably was in his freshman year, I'd be satisfied with that. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think he's going to get the opportunity Probably not. that Blake Hinson had. I mean, no. Yeah, Blake Hinson started. Yeah. And with but I could see, I mean, maybe if if he really proves himself, I think he could be a backup at the 4. Um I think the potential for his freshman season is has a lot of variance. I mean, mm-hmm. I could see him, you know, kind of breaking out, having a really good uh summer and fall and then competing for minutes at the four i could also see them deciding that he needs to redshirt <laughs> and yeah um i know conzo martin has not been shy about redshirting guys who just physically aren't quite there yet yeah i mean he's got some guys ahead of him obviously uh what we talked about mitchell smith and reed nico and we got trey jackson coming in um all those guys are and, and even um mm-hmm. uh parker Braun yeah. or brown or whatever yeah. however you say his last name uh, he's got solidly four, five guys in front of him, um, potentially. So, um, it might be kind of tough for him to break the rotation at the four spot. Um, at the three, I mean, he's got competition there too with, uh, Pickett or Watson or whoever they're going to plug in there at the three. So if he can shoot it really well, there'll be a spot for him. Yeah. Um, I feel like though the defense would be my concern with him mm-hmm. in his freshman season. Yeah. Um, I did have one quick question for you. Shoot, I don't have it ready. I'm going to have to cut out a pause here. While you're looking up, whatever you're looking up over there, um, a tiny tidbit of football recruiting news. Uh, Cole Taylor is a four-star tight end from Colorado. Is going to take a visit to Mizzou, along with LSU, Washington, and Penn State. So I'm not sure what the connection is to a tight end from Colorado, but I will welcome any talented pass catchers. Definitely. Um, when is he said you said he's visiting? Mm-hmm. When is that? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> Sometime in the future. Um, I was going to ask you, have you uh, heard of a team called the Phoenix Mercury, WNBA team? Um, yes, I have. Did you see the end of their game? <laughs> I don't watch uh, the WNBA, so I'm going to have to look this up. 
long story short, Sophie Cunningham hit a, a game winner in the WNBA preseason. Oh, really? And I knew she had a pretty decent first game, but I hadn't yeah. seen that. Uh, she's been getting plenty of minutes um, for a uh, rookie um, in the preseason for the WNBA. Um, but uh, I can't find the details on the game winner. But uh, it was not a buzzer beater, but it was the three-pointer to go ahead, and then they held on and won. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it seems like she's getting a lot of play. And uh, I did want to use that sort of to segue into just uh, one, a couple quick things of women's basketball news. Uh, they're getting some transfers, uh, which is exciting. Um, one transfer from South Carolina, which I thought was kind of a big deal because of that rivalry the last few years between uh, Mizzou and South Carolina. Yeah. Um, I think she was actually a, uh, yeah, she was a, a top 50 recruit uh, coming out of high school two years ago. It's a big time program. I'm going to not attempt to say her first name because uh, I would make a fool of myself, but her <laughs> last name is Williams. <laughs> and uh, she is going to be playing. I'm messing this up so bad. She will be playing basketball, but uh, there's, there's two transfers. Uh, one of them will sit out this season and I don't have the information on the, uh, the one from South Carolina, but, uh, they seem to be assembling some serious talent though. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think when you look at Mizzou women's basketball, I think that they've, they've been able to do something that I think coach Martin and the men's team will look to replicate, which is just kind of sustain that just really competitive team in the sec for the foreseeable future i mean just build that sort of baseline and then just keep building on it and land the top players in the state also is yeah that that definitely really helps but uh just kind of they it seems like they do a uh coach pinchton pinchton just does such a good job of like filling in those holes in the roster uh whether it's with transfers or grad transfers or um picking up huge recruits so I was looking at some uh, forums and stuff the other day just about the men's team and how you can kind of see that, you know, obviously Coach Martin had the security in his job, in his position to kind of just hit the reset button the way he wanted to. Um, he, If you compare it to Frank Haith's first couple of years where Haith felt, really felt the pressure to win and basically win 20 games every season and maybe that wouldn't even be good enough. He kept having to just, it reminds me of somebody like sticking their finger in a hole to stop a leak and then uh, another leak pops out over here. So you got to stick your finger in there and then Mm -hmm. it just keeps happening and you just can't um, fill all the leaks fast enough. And um, when he was just bringing in transfer after transfer and, you know, guys were transferring out and it just wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. And, but what coach Martin's doing is definitely the opposite of that. Very sustainable, you know, filling in the pieces like he needs to, but also just building that foundation of young players that are going to be four year guys in the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think the, uh, that's the key to stability and longevity for sure is, um, getting those guys who are going to, or here for the long haul may not be always the, the five star guys, but talented players, um, that that are bought in and, and want to hang around for a long time and then when you've got a uh, recruiting classes like the state of missouri has for 2020 and 2021 if you can just 
grab a couple of those big yep. fish and then a lot of your problems will go away as a coach. Mm-hmm. I think we uh, got everybody caught, caught up on the news. Um, was there anything else that you had before we let them go? I think that covers it. Okay. All right. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Twitter, at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you in two weeks.